gnomes. The intro is just us saying, like, every single time we say gnomes in this episode. Gnome. Gnome. Gnomes. Gnome. Drug of choice. Gnomes. Are we gnomes? We're gnomes. 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 Garden gnomes. Everybody gnomes him. I love gnomes. Why was the gnome beating the crap out of people? Gnome. No one gnomes. Who gnomes? Gnomes. Who does a podcast on gnomes? It's fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. Everything's okay. Welcome to the podcast. I'm tired. I'm fine. It's fine. We're all fine. Interesting but boring. Oh yeah, good doggy. Good doggy. Oh yes, thank you. Good casting. You're so good at that. You're so good. Look at that good doggy. Okay, we need to record now. We need to record. You're so handsome. Please stop nailing my sweater. Are you recording? I am recording. Okay. Is your thing off? Yes. <laughs> um, hello, best friend. Hi, best friend. And hello, listeners. Welcome <laughs> to I'm on Fire, the random fun facts podcast where we're random, we're fun, and we're sometimes factual. I'm Marissa, and I'm in Nebraska. And I'm Chloe, and I'm in California. And today we are talking about gnomes. 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 The intro is just us saying, like, every single time we say gnomes in this episode, shut up. Gnomes. So, this comes out, we just did... True Crime Christmas, where you went first. 2020, I'll go first. Oh, gosh. And then, so you are supposed to go first for gnomes, but I think it would make more sense if we did history of gnomes and then stories. Yes, I agree. Okay. Dope. Let me pull up my gnome word document. Your gnome book. Gnome book. <laughs> <laughs> my gnome book. Oh my gosh. So uh, I guess we should do a smidgen of backstory. In Chloe and I like gnomes. I love gnomes. Yeah, we've kind of always liked gnomes. You've developed an obsession with them within the last few months. Yeah, I saw a gnome. On the shelf of the grocery store, I frequent, and I bought two of them, and now I can't stop. It's become a habit. <laughs> Every week, I'm just like, new gnome, all right. Drug of choice, gnomes. <laughs> gnomes. Oh, yeah, give me that sweet gnome, dude. <laughs> just one more, that's all I need, one more gnome. gnomes and how she brought it up was she was like can we what if we did a podcast on things that we just really like and I go you want to talk about gnomes don't you and she goes yes okay let's do an episode on gnomes so here we are that's your backstory so with that being said 
Okay, we're doing okay on time. I got to go to work this evening. Um, so gnomes are a, this is how I spelled mythological. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. M-Y-T-H-O-L-O-G-I-V-A-L. Ah, yes. Mythological. And, and then creature, C-R-E-A-T-U-R. Seems like a reputable sort, so, site that you're on. That's my notes. Oh, that's even better. Because I didn't feel like going back and editing it. Oops. So, gnomes are a mythological creature that were first introduced in the 16th century by Pericles, and then later they were most recently used in fairy tales and in modern fantasies. The word gnome, gnome, <laughs> is from the Renaissance Latin gnomus, G-N-O-M-U-S, in a book by Pericles, meaning earth-dwelling. They are depicted as two spans high, reluctant to interact with humans. I mean, same. Are we gnomes? We're gnomes. Um, and move through earth easily and are often guarding underground mines or treasures. In Alexander's Pope, The Rape of the Lock, the creatures are small celestial creatures who were, pru- who were prudish women in past lives. And in my notes, I have to like a crone. And after further reading, I'm going with, yes, a crone. Um, so crones turn into gnomes. Fun fact. And then they look after other women to ensure that they are prudish. So um, in the 19th century, romanticists who began releasing fairy tales use gnomes as synonyms for the older word of goblin. However, I feel like goblins and gnomes are very different. Definitely nowadays they are very different. Yeah, because goblins are more like schmeagly. Yeah. And gnomes, are, gnomes like are like cute so little. Wifey. Yeah. So then those we are, are. Those are dwarves. However, that's where I'll get to that. Never mind. Blech. I'll get to it. So um, now we're going to go into when gnomes became more popular, which is in the garden variety. So after World War II, the figurines were introduced, or before World War II, they were, why is this out of order? So they were super popular in Germany prior to World War II. And, okay, it is out of order. I'm just going to read them how my notes say. I'm sorry, it's going to be out of order, guys. So after World War II, the figurines were introduced as lawn ornaments and became known as garden gnomes. The image changed from the 60s to the 70s when the first plastic gnomes were, uh, or began to be manufactured instead of the traditional clay. These followed the 1937 depiction in Snow White. So Snow White's dwarves were an inspiration for gnomes that we use today. Um, They were also used as inspiration for uh, illustrations in children's books, um, specifically one known as the Secret Book of Gnomes that was published in 1976. And that sounds like a great book. So there are also gnomed 
theme parks and gnome parades, which is neat. I want to go to a gnome theme park. Um, and garden gnomes were produced in Germany in the 1800s and began to appear in England in the 1840s. And they were mass produced in Germany by the 1870s, um, specifically by August Eisner and Philip Griebel. Eisner became known around the world for his gnomes. Which is kind of a cool thing to be known for. Yeah, it is. He's a gnome guy. Everybody gnomes him as the gnome guy. So then um, the world wars kind of wiped out most of the production in Germany. Like German wasn't, Germany wasn't able to continue production. And then also Americans were like, oh, that's, gnomes are a German thing. We can't like those anymore. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Like, war will do that. So then by the 1960s, the plastic gnomes we know today, like the really ugly ones in gardens, um, started to become mass produced. These were campy and cartoonish, and most people did not like them. In the 1980s, companies in the Czech Republic and Poland started making cheaper imitations of the German gnomes, which people did like and started buying. So then an American company called Kimmel Gnomes created clay and resin gnomes that are then finished by hand and not mass produced. And so each one is unique. Hmm. Um, and people loved this, especially like like Americans love this, especially it's like an American company. It's handmade and it's like your own thing. So like the American liked it. Um, so then... It is said that gnomes bring good luck and prosperity. They can provide protection, especially for buried treasure and mines. Um, and they are most often seen guarding gardens and like crops and stuff like that. So a lot of times they would be hidden in like the rafters of a barn so that the gnome could watch over livestock, Ooh. which I thought was really neat. Um, and... I just have a fun fact about gnomes that I'll say at the end, but that's my history on gnomes. Very quick, very brief, very interesting. I love gnomes. Gnomes. I'm seriously going to cut out every single time we say gnome, and that's the intro. Gnome. Because I have three weeks to edit this. I'm going to do it. Yeesh. It's going to be great. Okay, so since Arissa did the history of gnomes and how they came to be what we gnome them today. How we gnome them today. <laughs> um, I figured I would read um, a story from the Brothers Grimm called The Gnome. I've never read this before, have you? Mm-mm. Let okay, me go hopefully there's gnome in, in my book so I can follow along with keep getting distracted the devil with the three golden hairs <laughs> the wedding of mrs fox the godfather proud fruit oh man why do i not pick this up off okay i thought this was a complete work do you have this one no oh the no okay oh i found dried flowers in this book yeah this one is just um complete fairy tales it's pretty big, but mine's like a uh, 
it's the size of my the Shakespeare one that we both have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the words are slightly bigger, and the pages are slightly thicker because that one's like papery. Thick. Yeah. The other thing about that one too is there's a lot of poems in that one. Yeah. Or verse, so it looks like a lot, but there are very few. The paragraphs in this story are very long. They're chunks. All right. I'm ready. Okay. So this is The Gnome by the Brothers Grimm. I wish I knew when this was written. Anywho. Is that a thing we can Google? Probably. Afterwards. (laughs) It's a little over three pages. So bear with me. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully. We have no idea. This is a blind. It was March. Wait, I don't know what that is. Oh, that was the entry for the Gnome Wikipedia page. December of 1812 is when they published their first volume. The second was in 1815. So early 1800s. Old. It's old. It be old. All right, here we go. (laughs) There was once upon a time a rich king who had three daughters, who daily went to walk in the palace garden, and the king was a great lover of all kinds of fine trees. But there was one for which he had such an affection that if anyone gathered an apple from it, he wished him a hundred fathoms underground. And when harvest time came, the apples on this tree were all as red as blood. The three daughters went every day beneath the tree and looked to see if the wind had not blown down an apple, but they never had... They never by any chance found one, and the tree was so loaded with them that it was almost breaking, and the branches hung down to the ground. Then the king's youngest child had a great desire for an apple, and said to her sisters, Our father loves us far too much much to wish us underground. It is my belief that he would only do that to people who were strangers. And while she was speaking, the child plucked off quite a large apple and ran to her sisters, saying, Just taste, my dear little sisters, for never in my life have I tasted anything so delightful. Okay. I know, that's exactly what I'm thinking. (laughs) Then the two other sisters also ate some of the apple, after which all three sank down, deep down into the earth, where they could hear no cock crow. When midday came, the king wished to call them to come to dinner, but they were nowhere to be found. He sought them everywhere in the palace and garden, but could not find them. Then he was much troubled and made known to the whole land that whoever brought his daughters back again should have one of them to wed, as a father does. Hereupon, so many young men went out, went about the country in search that there was no counting them, for everyone loved the three children because they were so kind to all and so fair of face. Three young hunters also went out, and when they had traveled about for eight days, they arrived in a great at a great castle in which were beautiful apartments, and in one room a table was laid on which were delicate dishes, which were still so warm that they were smoking. It's too hot. Too hot of dishes. But in the whole of the castle, no human being was ever was either to be seen nor heard. They waited there for half a day, and the food still remained warm and smoking, at, and at length they were so hungry that they sat down and ate and agreed with each other that they would stay and live in that castle, and that one of them who should be chosen by casting lots, should remain in the house, and the two others seek the king's daughters. They cast lots, and the lot fell on the eldest. So next day, the two younger went out to seek, and the eldest had to stay home. 
At midday came a small, small mannequin and begged for a piece of bread. Then the hunter took the bread which he had found there and cut a round off the loaf and was about to give it to him. But while he was giving it to the mannequin, the latter let it fall and asked the hunter to be so good as to give him that piece again. The hunter was about to do so and stooped, on which the mannequin took a stick, seized him by the hair, and gave him a good beating. Next day, the second stayed at home, and he fared no better. When the two others returned in the evening, the eldest said, Well, how have you got on? Oh, very badly, he said, and then they lamented their misfortune together. But they said nothing about it to the youngest, for they did not like him at all, and always called him Stupid Hans. Hans. Stupid Hans. Hans. Because he, depending on where you're from in the world, I'm going to call him Hans. Hans Hans. Um, Because he did not exactly belong to the forest. No. Yeah. On the third day, the youngest stayed at home, and again the little mannequin came and begged for a piece of bread. When the youth gave it to him, he let it fall as before and asked him to be so good as to give him that piece again. Then said Hans to the little mannequin, What? Can you not pick up that piece yourself? If you will not take it as much trouble as that for your daily bread, you do not deserve to have it. (laughs) Then the mannequin grew very angry and said he was to do it, but the hunter would not and took my dear mannequin and gave him a thorough beating. (laughs) Then the mannequin screamed terribly and cried, Stop, stop, and let me go, and I will tell you where the king's daughters are. When Hans heard that, he left off beating him, and the mannequin told him that he was a gnome, and that there were more than a thousand like him, and that if he would go with him, he would show him where the king's daughters were. (sighs) Then he showed him a deep well, but there was no water in it, and the little man said that he knew well that the companions Hans had with him did not intend to deal honorably with him. Therefore, if he wished to deliver the king's children, he must do it alone. The two other brothers would also be very glad to recover the king's daughters, but they did not want to have any trouble or danger. Hans was therefore to take a large basket, and he must seat himself in it with his knife and bell, and be let down. Below were three rooms, and in each of them was a princess, with a many-headed dragon whose head's She was to comb and trim, but he must cut them off. And having said all this, the mannequin vanished. (laughs) When it was evening, the two brothers came and asked how he had got on, and he said pretty well so far, and that he had seen no one except at midday when a little mannequin had come and begged for a piece of bread, that he had given some to him, but that the mannequin had let it fall and had asked him to pick it up again. But as he did not choose to do that, the little man had begun to lose his temper and that he had done what he ought not and had given the mannequin a beating, after which he had told him where the king's daughters were. Then the two were very were so angry at this that they grew green and yellow. Next morning, they went to the well together and drew lots who should first seat himself in the basket. And again, the lot fell on the eldest and he was to seat himself in it and take the bell with him. Then he said, if I ring, you must draw me up again immediately. When he had gone down for a short distance, he rang, and they at once drew him up again. Then the second seated himself in the basket, but he did just the same as the first. And then it was the turn of the youngest, but he let himself be lowered quite to the bottom. When he had gone, (laughs) when he had got out of the basket, he took his knife and went and stood outside the first door and listened and heard the dragon snoring quite loudly. He opened the door slowly, and one of the princesses was sitting there, and had nine dragon's heads lying upon her lap, and was combing them. 
That's either a really small dragon or a very large girl. <laughs> she a beefy one. <laughs> Nine dragon heads just chilling on her lap that she's how do you comb a dragon head? I don't know. How do you comb several dragon heads? Continue. <laughs> it's the 1800s, who knows? In the 1800s, you can comb your dragon heads. No big. No big. Uh, then he took his knife and hewed at them, and the nine fell off. The princess sprang up, threw her arms around his neck, and embraced him and kissed him. Nope. Embraced and kissed him repeatedly and took her stomacher which was made of pure gold and hung it around his neck what's a stomacher i don't know okay so it's the why did she throw that around his head uh... oh she, she got her put... boobies out yeah she put her chest piece around his neck interesting Um, okay. Then he went to the second princess, who had a dragon with five heads to comb, and delivered her also. Also, and hold on. Be- Not done. It was made of pure gold. That is one heavy piece of clothing. Or light. Gold is pretty light, isn't it? No, it's heavy. I like, solid gold, gold is heavy. It's, uh, mm. flimsy. But it's heavy. She's a princess. She gotta carry that. Her- that causes neck issues. Like <laughs> She gotta earn it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, then he went to the second princess who had a dragon with five heads to comb and delivered her also. And to the youngest who had a dragon with four heads, he went likewise. And then, and they all rejoiced and embraced him and kissed him without stopping. Then he rang very loud so that those above heard him and he placed the princesses one after the other in the basket and had them all drawn up. But when it came... To his own turn, he remembered the words of the mannequin, who had told him that his comrades did not mean well by him. So he took a great stone, which was lying there, and placed it in the basket. And when it was about halfway up, his false brothers above cut the rope, so that the basket with the stone fell to the ground, and they thought that he was dead, and ran away with the three princesses, making them promise to tell their father that it was they who had delivered them, and then they went to the king, and each demanded a princess in marriage. But there were three princesses. Yeah. <laughs> you, they just killed their brothers for no reason. One brother wanted to marry two princesses. Oh. <laughs> Selfish brother. Selfish. In the meantime, the youngest hunter was wandering about the three chambers in great trouble, fully expecting to have to end his days there when he saw, hanging on the wall, a flute. Then he's... Then said he, why do you hang there? No one can be merry here, (laughs) you stupid flute. He looked at the dragon's heads and likewise and said, you too cannot help me now. He walked backwards and forwards for such a time that he made the surface of the ground quite smooth. But at last other thoughts came to his mind and he took the flute from the wall and played a few notes on it and suddenly a number of gnomes appeared and with every note that he sounded one more came. Then he played until the room was entirely filled. Paradise. They all asked <laughs> They all asked what he desired, so he said he wished to get above ground back to daylight, on which they seized him by the hair, by every hair that grew on his head, and thus they flew with him onto the earth again. 
When he was above ground, he at once went to the king's palace just as the wedding of one princess was about to be celebrated, and he went to the room where the king and his three daughters were. When the princesses saw him, they fainted. At this, the king was angry and ordered him to be put in prison at once, because he thought he must have done some injury to the children. When the princesses came to, themsel came to themselves, however, they entreated the king to set him free again. The king asked Too why. Late, already beheaded him. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> he gone. The king asked why, and they said that they were not allowed to tell that, but their father said that they were to tell it to the stove. Why? Why always a stove? What is I'm it so with confused. stoves? And he went out, listened at the door, and heard everything. Then he sentenced the two brothers to be hanged on the gallows, and to the third he gave all of his daughters. <laughs> Just kidding. They gave, he gave him his youngest daughter. And on that occasion, I wore a pair of glass shoes and I struck them against a stone. And they said, clink, and were broken. What? I don't know. I feel like that last line wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> then he caused the two brothers to be hanged on the gallows. And to the third, he gave his youngest daughter. And on that occasion, I wore a pair of glass shoes and struck them against a stone and they said clink and were broken. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what a what a way to end something that's not related to that at all. It's just like yeah, this whole time it's been third person, but psych it's from the youngest son, the youngest hunter's perspective or is it from the youngest daughter's? Or is it from a narrator's perspective who went to the hanging so wearing glass shoes that he broke? Why did he break his shoes, too? Why was the gnome beating the crap out of people? <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. He wouldn't pick up the bread, and so he's just like, I hate you, and starts beating the crap out of him. It was a gnome reason. No gnome reason. No one gnomes. Oh, no. The end. The brother is grim. That was a podcast on gnomes. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Who does a podcast on gnomes? I don't know, but we did. Uh, it was great, too. I liked it. I'm happy with it. I'm also happy. That was a um, lot. And finally, we have our fun fact. Which is, so there is, I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't heard of it. The Chelsea Flower Show? No, I don't think so. It's apparently the biggest flower show in the world. Hmm. Fun fact, gnomes are banned from being used in the displays. But why? I don't know. I tried looking it up and then I got bored of researching it. That's fair. That's stupid, though. Maybe it's because, like, the display that always had the gnomes always won. Probably. I think it's because <laughs> they were, like, colorful and, like, gimmicky. And so then people, like, viewed them as maybe, like, a cop-out. Like, it was too easy. Yeah. And so they're like, no gnomes. That's stupid. Um, but in 2013, in honor of the anniversary of gnomes, they did a show all about gnomes. Hmm. 
So, oh, that was fun. That is a fun fact. Do we have anything else to say? Mm, no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right. I got to get ready for work. Yeah, you do. And I got to get ready for bed. All right. So make sure that you go follow us on Instagram at I'm on fire the pod. I will be posting a horde of gnomes on our Instagram in order and honor of this episode. And uh, make sure you give us a rating and review and or wherever you're listening to this podcast and let us know what's the thing that like gnome related. What's your favorite flower? Yeah. Mine's a peony. Mine's a bird of paradise. Heck yeah. It's because they're so ugly. (laughs) So, have you seen, like, I always thought, "Mm, I'm just going to send it to you. Apparently, there's one way people see the bird of paradise and why they (laughs) think it's a word, and then there's another way. Have you seen that? Yeah. I never thought to see it how it's supposed to be seen. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense to me the the right way. Like, when you see the picture of it, you're like, ah, oh, yes, beautiful bird. But the other way is so much better. Like, it's like an ugly pelican face. <laughs> I love the pictures where it has, like, crazy eyes drawn on it. Yes, or when they glue googly eyes to it. Yes. Oh, I love it. I, I moved to the perfect place for those those flowers. You did, for sure. Um, also, tag us in your photos um, about gnomes, please. Yes. We Buy like gnomes so you can post a picture and tag us. Yes. we're that important. Yes. Our three listeners, please tag us in gnomes. Gnome-related content. <laughs> That's all we want. <laughs> all right. We will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, best friend. Goodbye, best friend. Gnomes. <laughs>